This episode is going to be brought to you by Racer Root Fitness. Uh, this is Racer Root Radio you're listening to, but we got a fitness brand on our other side. That's kind of what this is all about. Racer Root Fitness has a lot of options for anybody, whether you're starting out or whether you're seasoned. We have options that are similar to what you would call CrossFit or functional fitness. We have options that are just your standard, uh, more like bodybuilding. We have strength building. Uh, we have personal training. We have programs you can just follow along. So if you want more information on that, catch us on Facebook, Instagram, or catch our uh, website, racerufitness.com. So, hey, man, um, I need a parts runner. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I need a parts runner really bad, Stuart Haas. Um, my department is down to uh, to me. Um, my, uh, my, my lady that works in my department who does our receiving, um, Donna, who's awesome, but, uh, you know, she has, she has her role, which she has other roles within the company that are more important than what we do. And then I have a new guy at the counter. That's all I got. I don't got a shipper receiver. I don't got a parts runner. Uh, my manager's out right now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's kind of sad right now. So if anybody's looking for a parts running job. Um, hit me up because I need I need to hire someone real bad. It's entry where level. Where do you but, run the parts to? And do you have a car? Because if it's cross country thing, I'm out. No, 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 no. It's 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 all local stuff. It's set you know, seven to four, regular, you know, normal hours. When I'm at cross country, I'm at running with your feet, not with a car. Oh no, there's no running either. Unless you want to. I mean, it, there's a lot of guys that ride bike at lunch if you prefer to ride, do road biking thing, but yeah, prefer not to. <laughs> All right, the, guys, this is Racer Radio. Um, we got to talk about a really dirty race this past weekend, really wet race this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Jordan's got a lot to, of opinions. I've got some opinions as well about it. Boy, do um, I. <laughs> um, a revival of a new track coming back. Um, a lot of fun stuff to talk about this weekend. Uh, but first, we're going to start with our little fitness tip. Um, okay. This is... This, sensitive issue sensitive issue with me um okay we're going to talk this week about instagram influencers okay uh because sometimes i'm I'm pretty humble about my knowledge of fitness um especially with you know i'm a personal trainer but my the amount of training i've done is very very limited um taught a lot of boot camps but no actual personal training really um but i have a lot of knowledge and so what really, really kills me is getting on Instagram, getting on Facebook and seeing a lot of these influencers that claim to know a lot of stuff. They claim to know what's right. They put out this content that, uh, you know, a lot of people will tend to follow, especially when it comes to, you know, girls, booty pics, you know, get your peach. That's, that's a thing. I know Jordan's raising his eyebrow right now. That's the thing. Uh, Working right. out, trying to trying to work out your butt is called growing your peach. <laughs> peach sure. emojis are very popular, the most popular fruit emoji on uh, social medias. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, and it, they're all the same workout. Virtually all of them are the same workout. And so what I wanted to point out is a lot of the people who are getting a lot of likes, they're, they're the ones with really, really poor content. Uh, that now don't get me wrong. There are, there are plenty of people out there with really, really good content. 
um, not only within just, you know, fitness, but, you know, mobility, strength, uh, rehabilitation. One, one of them comes to mind, my favorite uh, content provider on social media is called the Move You guy. Um, he shows a lot of, his, his big thing is called fix your shit. And so basically he does a lot of, you know, prehab, rehab, mobility kind of stuff. And they take these like stick on, like it's, it looks like it's a sticker that looks like a muscle and they can actually show you and, and like point to what they're trying to tell you how to, to set your posture, to fix your posture. And so those guys are really phenomenal. But what you get a lot of times is this rando, you know, person right like in college, right out of college that like on the women's side, it's a lot of here, grow your, like grow your peach. And you get these five workouts that if I swear to God, if I have to see another duck walk workout. So if you don't know what a duck walk is, basically just sit down in a squat, just body squat, hold the bottom. And then step one foot forward, one foot forward, one foot back, one foot back. That's a duck walk. I feel like I've done that in kindergarten. <laughs> um, you know, the, the hip bridges, that, the body weight hip bridges, man. The, the, oh, my goodness. This, oh, I need a minute. I need a minute. I need a minute. Uh, we'll, we'll change over to, to the men's side because it's <laughs> – the, on the men's side, generally speaking, this is very generally speaking, some guys have really good content, but um, if you see a guy that's working out and like showing you whatever he's trying to show you, this is how you get jacked, this is how you get lean, whatever, and uh, his big thing is consistently wearing no shirt, I have immediately written off every single one of those guys for, for a variety of reasons. Um, not just because it like they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they do know what they're talking about, and I'll cover that in just a minute. Um, but yeah, if, if you're a content provider and you consistently wear no shirt while you're working out for no purpose other than to wear no shirt, I'm probably just ignoring you. So, oh, uh, was that Bowman? Yep. Jordan, show me, uh, uh the all-stars. Yep. The all-stars. Yep. Watching the all-stars over there. <laughs> um, so uh, fl flex back over to the women, the ones that do the grow your peach thing grow your booty, like work, work on your legs. And they do these, like, it's all body weight workout. It's all this, it's either hit style training or this very, very, very limited range of motion or super, super like not just slow, but tame. I wouldn't even call it slow. It's tame. It doesn't even look like you, they're putting a whole lot of tension on their muscles. Um, and especially a lot of the content providers, they are people who, you know, is they're the ones you would want to look like. So, but my problem with that is they're not, they don't look like that because of the workout they're showing you. They don't get that way by doing 6,000 duck walks and, you know, 200 curtsy lunges at 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off. It, that's not how that works. Either A, they're doing some training on the side that is, to, to be honest with you, less sexy. It's not as entertaining to watch. Um, or genetically, that that's what they are. And especially if you notice, a lot of them, a lot of them are, you know, 
low twenties, maybe up into the, the higher, maybe higher twenties for some of them, but you don't see a lot of them that are thirties and above that, that are doing this. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why it's because you've, you haven't hit that point yet where your metabolism starts to go to crap. And this kind of training that you're doing doesn't work anymore because you know, your metabolism starts slowing down all the effects of aging that, you know, we all see, they haven't hit that yet. So, you know, no, I'm not super impressed if you're a younger person and yeah, I'm doing this workout and look at me because, you know, show me that when you're 35, show me that when you're 40, then I'll be really impressed that you've been able to maintain that physique as it gets harder in age. Um, the other one with a lot of women that you see, and it's not just the women that are doing it. It's the way that it is marketed to women specifically, because women are a big force in the, uh, not a big force. They're a big consumer in fitness. They are way greater than men as far as consuming fitness. You see that in the gyms. You see that in uh, group fitness classes and boot camps, uh, personal training. It's a lot of the consumers are women. And this content is so poorly managed to women. You'll see, you know, again, uh, uh, this young girl, you know, the first thing you see in the, in the post is her pulling her shirt up or whatever, or pulling whatever she's wearing up. So you can see her belly and you either see completely flat or six pack, whatever. And then it goes on to do this, you know, body weight, ab workout, no, you know, no weights, no, anything to build strength, some endurance, maybe core is very important, but you know, the way that's marketed, I, I don't like it because to sit there and just say, yeah, do all these crunches and you'll get perfectly flat belly or six pack abs. It's poorly marketed and it's bull crap that it's marketed to women that way. I understand why it is because it sells and that sucks, but, um, I strongly disagree with that. Um, and it doesn't, that's not how it works. You know, that they, they, there's no, that, you know, you'll see in the post, maybe one little mention of don't forget your nutrition, but it has come second to the, Hey, do this workout. And then on the men's side, you'll see kind of the same thing. Like, Hey, get Jack doing this workout. And they'll start with, isolate. start with, Hey, you want to get big biceps, do bicep curls. No, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's possible. You can get big muscles by doing the isolation exercises that they show, or you can get super fit by doing a lot of the same thing, these hit style workouts, whatever, but many of them, so many of them are marketed so poorly. They use moves that make no sense in the order in which they do them. And, you know, this is far less than the way it's targeted to women, but with men, it's like, it's kind of the same principle. You'll see this guy who's completely jacked, um, no shirt, as I said before, but the other problem with that is you see some of these guys who are super, super lean and many of them aren't this lean for long, for long. They're super low body fat at a level that's not sustainable for most people. And maybe, you know, they've oiled themselves up and they've caught themselves on a good day. They've dehydrated themselves just for the gram. So every muscle's popping, but they don't tell you that. And they show you these poorly put together workouts um, to sell you on their programs that are also poor. So then what happens? People do these programs that they see because, oh, I want to look like that person. They try the program. It doesn't work. And either they quit altogether 
or they decide, well, this program didn't really work because A, B, and C, and then they move on to another one. And it's, you know, it's, it's just a vicious cycle. And a lot of these kind of poorly produced content is what is selling these days. It's not the good people that go out there and it's, they show you this, you know, heavy kettlebell exercise for reps, you know, low reps or, you know, we're doing kettlebell swings for, to progress how long we can do them for, or how heavy. It's not that it's, it's all the hit style or do this with a little mention of, um, don't forget mind muscle connection. Well, if I tell you a person who doesn't typically work out, don't forget your mind muscle connection. What does that mean? What exactly do you mean by that? And I'm sure a lot of these people, if you, if you went to them and say, okay, what does this mean? Explain what you mean by mind muscle connection. They're going to give you a pretty poor excuse as to, well, you know, you just focus on flexing the right muscles. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know that I'm not flexing the right muscles. I don't know that I'm not properly engaging my bicep on a curl, that I'm rolling my shoulder and that I, I, I don't feel it. I can't feel my lats turn on when I'm doing a pull down or a pull up, but I don't know that. I just feel the exercise and it hurt and it burned which is another uh, component to it. You see uh, a lot of posts that say, do this, ex do this workout and feel the burn. Kind of goes back to the, uh, a lot of the, you know, long sets, like high reps, low weight. Well, it's kind of like trying to think of an analogy, but basically to just put it simply, put it right out there. Yeah, you can make a muscle hurt, by doing a lot of something, it doesn't necessarily mean the adaptation you're getting is strength. So think about it. If you sit here and just flex your abs, that's all you do, just sitting here and you're flexing them and just hold it and hold it like you would a plank. You're going to build some endurance in there for sure. Absolutely. But if you're chasing a six pack, it's not the way to go about it. So you can make it burn, but if you're trying to build a, build a muscle up, a burn is not necessarily what's going to get it done. So um, those are just a few examples. I see a lot of them going through. And, and so, like I said, just to, to sum it up, if you're selling yourself by your body, you're selling yourself with, you know, just by the way that you happen to look because you're lucky or you're lying about the way that you're working out, I think it's pretty pathetic. Although I get it. I get why you would um, pro make profit off of that if you can, but I think it's pretty poor and I want to educate people to, to watch out for this because it's, it's just, a uh, it's a word. It's an eye candy attention grab. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. I don't know what word you're looking for, but snake oil, snake oil. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I never would have guessed that, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's all, that's all it is. It's, it's an attention grabber. It's to make it look like it's as easy as they, they make it. Um, so that way you do what they do um, or, you know, whether you're buying it off of them or trying to copy them, whatever, it's an attention grab. It's, you know, Hey, look at me, look at the body I got from doing this. So that way I hate to say it, but people are gullible and they'll believe it. Um, sure. A lot of exercise work and a lot of physical fitness work that is accurate to what you need to do is boring. Um, it's not entertaining. It's, it's 
boring, essentially. You have to want to do it. So it's kind of hard to keep that attention. Now, if you add in this grow your peach as you're calling it, I can't say it without laughing. Um, but if you if you add in that, then like you said, you add in a woman who's probably physically fit, looks, you know, the way a lot of women want to look, and she knows that. And she's going to grab your attention by, like you said, pulling her shirt up halfway and people being like, oh, look at the belly or the abs or whatever. It's an attention grab. Once you have the attention, everybody's going to go and look her look at her videos to see the same thing she's doing, just in a different version. Like, yeah. oh, I did 55 setups today. But I mean, really, you don't know that. She's just maybe showing a little snippet of her counting them. And she's like, oh, this is what I do or this is what I do. But it's more of an attention grab to try and get people to come to a spot that they wouldn't normally go to. Uh, like, like I said, if you're really into fitness, like you are, you're, when you go to the gym, the stuff to you is not boring because you understand the process of it. You understand how it works. A lot of everyday Joe Schmoes, like me, you go to the gym and sometimes people want what is the easiest thing to do. And if a girl sees that this person puts grow your peach and she's just walking around the house like a duck, I mean, hey, that's easy. I can do that. I'll just walk around here and have a little fun with it, you know, joke around and stuff. And they're like, you know, maybe at first, you know, for the first month, oh, hey, you know, it's working like my butt hurts. You know, I feel like it's it's getting better, whatever. But then like really you're not getting anywhere and you're like oh my exercises don't work they're not doing what they're supposed to do but at least i'm getting some entertainment out of it you know what i mean that's just yeah that's all it is to yeah. me like when when you look at exercising i mean who wants to sit there and curl a bar 50 times it, it's boring but you have to want to do it yeah and the, but so here's the, here's the thing like what we talk we keep on this duck walk because it's just so it's so Oh my God. It's just so bad. But like, yeah, if, if you're super deconditioned, you haven't been working out for a while. Absolutely. If you do some duck walks, it's probably going to, you're probably going to see some benefits from it. I'm not saying you're not, but if it makes you feel silly to do a duck walk, you just, just go for a regular walk. If you're super deconditioned, going for a regular walk is going to give you just the same benefits and guess what? If you go out and get in the sun, that's going to benefit you even more. Yep. Because there's huge benefits to being out in the sun for a good hour a day, you know, protecting yourself. Don't get super, super sunburned, of course, but, you know, getting that vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin C D, I think it's D, C D I, I think it's D, but uh, yeah, getting, getting that is going to be hugely beneficial for your body as well. So you know, there's, there's better ways to do these kind of things. We talk about it all the time. It's like, you know, just stay, keep it simple. And that's a part of a big part of what you see on these marketing things. You're looking for the next thing to razzle dazzle you to catch your attention. Like, Hey, that's kind of cool. You know, Oh, this guy's doing battle ropes. Like that's cool. There's, there's huge benefits to doing battle ropes, but you know, not always necessarily the way that this guy's doing. And it's just, you know, incorporating little bits of this little bits of that is going to do you a great great things um but man like just if you see some of these instagram people just just really question what what would this person be looking like doing this 
in 10 years when, you know, when they grow up a little bit, just ask, like, ask that. What, how would this workout look for, like for them? They got, would they still look the same way? They, got they still peaches. have the same physique. What? They got three peaches. I'm telling you, they got three peaches and four chins. <laughs> but, and, and I'm telling like, you see some of these people, you'll see them regularly. And then all of a sudden they dip off the face of the earth, you know, and, you know, life changes. And I get that. But there's a reason why there's these younger people who think they know everything. They capitalize on it for a while and then they're gone. So um, just be wary of that. Now, like I said, there are people with very, very good content. And a lot of these workouts that these people post, yeah, if you're super deconditioned, it's not a workout you've done for a while. It's okay to add it in, but don't expect to add it in or to do these workouts and consistently do them in this style and see great results, you know, really question the person's credentials. Do they know what they're talking about? Um, and this is going to be beneficial for me the long term because a lot of there's, a, it's really in Instagram right now. Uh, the influencer world is a lot like digging, panning for gold. You have to dig through a lot of dirt to find a really, really little fleck of gold. So be very careful with that. Um, especially with nutrition, you know, all of it, just nutrition's really, really egregious. Be very, very careful with nutrition. You know how I say, I don't really like to touch nutrition because it's so, so nuanced. Um, so are these, uh, these workouts and, uh, nutrition, uh, I'm sorry, supplements. Um, those are another big thing. Ask if this person's trying to sell something. A lot of times you see people post this workout and then you'll see, thanks to Gymshark for this new whatever shirt and pants. Well, they're not trying to sell you a workout. They're trying to sell you clothes. And that's a big market right now. So be very careful of that, especially when you see that somebody trying to sell you um, a product that's not the actual fitness. Uh, and really, really question it before you go, go for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's with social media, the way stuff works now, especially TikTok and, you know, stuff like that. You get so much more of this. And once it becomes a trend, everybody wants to do yeah. it. And I, it, it just gets, it gets out of proportion. Now I'm contractually obligated by my wife to specify that Nasty Nass and her workout programs are immaculate. You should look them up and follow what she does because uh, she's a twerker. And she, uh, according to my wife, basically has the peach of God. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few comments that i'll say but i i can't say i'm on here because my wife will yell at me so <laughs> all right so um i'm gonna put a pin in that for here so jordan i'm gonna turn it over to you i'm sure you've got a lot of dirt news and then we got to talk about some more dirt stuff so um like i said guys i'm gonna tell you this every time to remind you guys september 3rd coming up the elijah memorial uh race is going to be happening so that's September 3rd. Make sure you mark your calendars. Come on out to Central PA and watch a very good race. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be emotional, but it's gonna be fun. So definitely come on out. Remember that September 3rd. So <laughs> you know it's funny, especially now because I'm sitting here watching the All-Stars, they just finished. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, I don't have a lot to talk about because when you hear what I'm going to say, it's going to be kind of funny. So 
we're going to kind of kind of go out of order here, but bear with me. So we're going to go to the world of outlaws. They were at I-55 in Missouri. Um, it's PV Missouri. I think it is um, last weekend. They got rained out Friday. I love this track. It's a little bull ring. It's probably one of the coolest tracks you can play on 2002 spring cars. Um, unless you have a right rear tire that hits the gate all the time and it sends you across the track. Everybody hates that, but they had the biggest rut I've ever seen. Literally you could lay someone's body in this rut. I mean, people were taking pictures of them laying in the rut. It's never happened before at the track. Um, they were doing single file restarts because it was that rutted up, but Carson Macedo picked up the win there. He was being hounded all over. I mean, it was, a close race, it was interesting, but uh, he ended up leading, I think, from start to finish. And then we're going to jump to the All-Stars for the same weekend, and Tyler Courtney got a two-piece of chair in Speedway. Um, the first night was pretty decent, had a good track. The second night, you couldn't see anything. Um, it was that dusty. It was that dry. Uh, he hit. They should have taken their windshields out. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they don't have them. Um, but I mean, there was a picture, the camera from down the back straightaway, and he just nicked a dirt, like the dirt on the like edge of the, the track. And it looked like, you know, that it was so much dust. It was unreal. Like you just couldn't see anything. But um, Tyler, like I said, Tyler Courtney won both races there. So <laughs> as I said, um, the, the All-Stars were running today, but I'll get to that in a minute. So we'll jump to Lincoln Speedway for last weekend because the next couple of tracks, you're going to see kind of a, a tie-in together. So at Lincoln last week, Danny Dietrich picked up his third Lincoln win of the year. It's, he won by over five seconds. Ever since Monteith retired, it's kind of been like, who's the next person that's going to step up and challenge Danny Dietrich here? I mean, Freddie Raymers won, I think, the last two track championships, but – He's not always as dominant as like Monteith and Danny Dietrich were. I mean, not saying Freddie Raymer's not good because he's definitely really good, but Danny Dietrich comes through the field like Monteith used to, and they're always up there. Freddie's usually up there, but he doesn't always have that dominant car. So now we're going to jump to Port Royal. So uh, Port Royal was unusually fast. They've gotten a lot of good tracks this year based off of the way the moisture is just staying in the track. NASCAR wouldn't know anything about that, but hey. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll just jump right to it. The winner of the feature there, it's been kind of either like Logan Wagner or Anthony Macri. Well, Anthony Macri, this is where it's going to get interesting. So Anthony Macri set, he picked up the win. He set a new track record for 25 laps. It was seven minutes and 17 seconds. Um, is what it took for him to go 25 laps around there, nonstop green flag. So he picked up the win there. The Grove the night before, this is this is why you're going to think this is starting to get funny. So the night before Friday, the Grove, Anthony Macri, Anthony Macri picked up the win there as well. So he had a two-piece last weekend, the Grove, and at Port Royal. So now we'll jump to we had crazy – a uh, race at Bridgeport on, I think it was, it was yesterday. It was a uh, Wednesday race. Uh, it's called the Posse Invasion of Bridgeport. It's in New Jersey. 
Um, they do this where a lot of PA guys come over and obviously invade New Jersey. Um, Bridgeport, I don't know if you guys remember me telling you last year, but Bridgeport is the track that Jason Leffler lost his life at. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember Jason Leffler, but he was in a sprint car there. He was actually in the, the 13 that Justin Peck races now. Um, and he had a weird flip there and it ended up killing him from his injuries. But so we go, uh, we're, we're at Bridgeport, we're racing and Brent Marks has the most dominant car I've ever seen. I mean, literally most dominant car sets a new track record wins as he wins the little dash they had starts. Oh, I don't think he won the dash. I think he started second, but he led 29 out of 30 laps going into turn. Number two breaks his gears in the rear end. Anthony Macri taps him on the back end, spins out, keeps it going. Yellow came out. We had a one lap shootout and you'll never guess who picked up the win. Anthony Macri. So <laughs> he's on a three race win streak there. So now we'll jump to the All-Stars tonight. And they're at Bloomsburg Fairgrounds. This is the first time the All-Stars have ever been there. And let me just throw it out there. Who do you think picked up the win? You tell me. Anthony Macri. <laughs> He's just, he is on a tear right now. He is fast. Um, I think he had five wins leading into tonight. He now has six. He is the right now the winningest driver in the United States for sprint car features this year. So obviously it's early in the season, but he's on a tear and the all-stars are in town this weekend. They're at the Grove tomorrow. They're at Port Royal on Saturday. Um, two tracks that obviously Anthony Macri shines at. So, you know, you go out of town and get the hard wins. Now you come back to your home track. You're where you're very good at. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be Anthony Macri, but hey, he's probably going to be in the mix. So that's what happened around here in local racing. Um, the other part of the news is kind of NASCAR, kind of dirt, or yeah, kind of dirt news. But North Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro, them doing a dirt like dirt races in October is going to be pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but they have 410 sprint cars on the schedule. So it'll be interesting. Um, I honestly, I feel like they're kind of doing, we'll kind of transition to this. I feel like they're kind of doing an asphalt dirt test to see what draws more and where it's going to go. I know they're scheduling a repave for next year, but I think if they have better dirt racing, they might keep it dirt. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Well, that's funny that you met. So, this was so funny with North Wilkesboro. Like, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about this now. Um, my, I actually had a concept. I was talking with somebody about it. Um, I thought that taking uh, North Wilkesboro and, and making it a dirt track would be a phenomenal idea. I think it would give it a, you know, a better opportunity to survive. So, um, and God, I wish I would have said that before they actually decided to do that. And maybe it could have said, hey, this was my idea. They listened to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a great idea to, you know, they're going to run a couple races on the current asphalt, which God helped them, but, you know, put some dirt down and let's see how it rolls. And I think it would be great. I think it'd be a perfect setting to, to have a dirt track 
because a lot of the dirt tracks kind of are in the middle of nowhere you know the cup cars or cup tracks a lot of them are too but here's the problem with north books i know everybody says they want north books back um and i would love it back too but if you've never been if you've never been up that way you know I, i've passed by that racetrack to go to boone and i've been you know off the interstate and kind of went around to where the haulers come in and until you go there like you you can't really appreciate uh how small the area is and when people say you can't host a cup race there anymore it's not possible you really get a picture of that when you're there and you kind of see it and you see that the parking lot is teeny tiny and you see that you know the facilities obviously they're worn down but beyond that you know it's not near anything and it's 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 not like charlotte's the closest place to it and you know like i said there's a lot of racetracks that are like that however pocono is in the middle of nowhere but it's the only one you know there's there's no other racetrack that's really that big near pocono that's you know that nice of a venue um north wilkesboro has to compete with bristol which is a very hard one to compete with martinsville which is a hard one to compete with richmond which not as much but it's still like they're still all short tracks in the very, very close proximity as far as the United States goes. And then you got Charlotte to the south. There's you know, even as far as you go farther south, Darlington's still very close. So where we are at in Moxville, North Carolina, or even if you want to consider Mooresville or um, the Concord area where a lot of the race shops are, you're talking, you, you have one that's a few minutes away. Then you have another four already that are within three to four hours depending on where you're at um so to add another one that's what makes it so difficult for north wilkesboro is because it's it has no metro anywhere near it where you know martinsville richmond obviously have richmond kind of nearby bristol has uh knoxville johnson city there's the closest city to uh north wilkesboro is boone and boone's not a big city it's it's very very small um, the only thing Boone is extremely known for is Appalachian State, and really only because their football team has been very clutch over the years. That's it. Other than that, it's kind of a – it's growing, but it's not big. So North Wilkesboro has a lot of things going against it as far as becoming at least a cup venue. I think it would be very possible to host a truck race there, especially if you look at the schedule and strategically place it in an area where you know – we're not counting on fans to show up this racetrack. You know, this is going to be a TV, a TV money grab. That's what we're going for. It's very cheap for the teams to come here because they're so close. You know, we can, we can run the race cheaply. Uh, I think that that it would be perfect idea for North Wilkesboro. And then on top of that, adding in these other series, but I don't think it can host a Xfinity series race. I don't think it can host a cup series race as it stands right now. Unless you do the same thing, if if we get to the point where we have to start running weekday races, yeah, Wilkesboro will be perfect. Let's go up, let's run a practice, let's qualify real quick and make this like a Saturday night short track kind of thing. Not count on a lot of fans, rely exclusively on the TV rights, in and out, no big deal. I think that that would be how you would make it work or um, like they're doing, put some dirt on it. Yeah, I, honestly, I think the best bet would to be put dirt on it, leave it on it. Um, 
because you get a lot of dirt series. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of dirt series. Not saying there's not a lot of asphalt series, but like you're saying, there's not a whole lot of stuff there. I think if you put dirt there, it's it's more of a when you go to a dirt race, you know you're not in downtown area. So yeah, you, you go past stuff to get to it. But like my original thought was, you know, put this was a while ago, but put dirt on Wilkes-Barre or turn it into a dirt track and hold the cup guys there. Um, obviously, it's not we're talking about it not being big enough for them. Um, but that would that would be, I think, better than running Bristol dirt. Um, I mean, I think the best thing to do is take Bristol dirt off and run Eldora. That's just my opinion. That is a big enough venue to hold the cup guys. Um, I, I, I could very much tell you, based off of what I'm hearing, the crowd was at Bristol. It wasn't as big as it could have been. And I'll tell you this, if, if the cup guys go to Eldora, it would sell out 100%. And you don't have to just always have seats. I mean, they're seating all around the track with that yeah. art printer. So um, I think Eldora is still the top of my list for where the cup guys should go if we're going to keep doing dirt. But I think North Wilkes-Barre should honestly turn into a dirt track. I think that would be a way to keep making it thrive. Well, let's, that's, this is a, a good point. And let's, uh, well, first of all, before we transition, I want to, I do want to say, um, with this revitalization of North Wilkesboro, if you are one of these people who are excited about it, like you've been calling for it, you want it, you better, go. It. you better support go. it. And yeah. we're going to get to that with the, with the Bristol race as well. But if this is what you want, if you want it back, support it, watch the races, go watch a race. When they host some of these late models in the fall, go spend the whatever amount of money i don't think it's much i think it's like 30 40 bucks to go see a race go support it this yeah. is what you want go but i'm going to tell you this right now um i watched at one time because one of the things i like to do with work i bring up old races on youtube and i like let them play in the background while i'm working um north wilkesboro is a short track but it runs a lot like richmond does right now where you can race there's multiple lanes and you really don't have to mess with a guy too much. Like you, you can kind of, you don't have to muscle him out of way to, to pass him too much. Um, a lot of the races at North Wilkesboro are very like not a lot of cautions, you know, even though it's a short track and, and that's, you know, what everyone wants short tracks and beating the bang. That's not Wilkesboro's MO. It's never really been. If you watch a lot of these races, these guys can kind of, they race each other, but they don't have to crowd each other they don't wreck a ton so if you're looking for a beating and banging brawling kind of track this is not what it is you know i feel like a lot of people want north wilkesboro back because of the nostalgia and and what i said it's you know grassroots kind of you know where nascar came from and that's great that would be awesome but at the end of the day this is what you're going to get i want you to understand it's going to be a lot like the richmond races coming up so but if you're calling for it you better support it, which we're going to, this is a good segue into Bristol, which is the same thing. Um, I know there was a lot of criticism surrounding the Bristol race. So I'm going to start this before we really get into the race itself. A lot of people are very cr critical. They should take the dirt off. They should take the dirt off. They should put it back the way it was and just run the concrete in the spring. Um, let's flash back to just 2018 or 19 or something like that, where the big news of the spring race was that they closed down the corners because of the attendance has dropped off so much for the spring race that they just 
sold the the front stretch and the back stretch. And even that wasn't full. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, because Bristol, as small as it is, still seats. If it's not the number one seating capacity in NASCAR, it's like two or three. It seats, I think, like 165,000. And they haven't taken seats out. It's a lot of seats. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. That's a lot for anything these days. You know, and people don't, like we talk about all the time, how people don't go out to see these events anymore. You know, NASCAR's taken a hit probably more so than other sports, I'd say. But I mean, you take a a baseball stadium and, you know, a lot of the teams, if you're not talking about the Yankees or whatever team that happens to be doing extremely well this year, you you don't see hardly any stands in the fan, fans in the stands. Stands in the and, fans. Yeah, stands in the fans. So, I mean, and if you don't believe him, watch an Orioles game. Oh, my God. And, and so Camden Yards is old now, but it's still a very nice stadium. So, you know, but that's that's the reality of of what we're dealing with here is that even if you have a good turnout, according to NASCAR, you know, if you sell out, if you sell 50,000 seats at Martinsville, the place is sold out. If you sell 50,000 seats at Bristol, you you it's about a third full, which is what I heard is about what it was about a third full at best. Mm -hmm. So you have to really understand that when you, when you put it in that perspective is that, you know, Hey, if we sell the average amount, what we do per year, Bristol is going to look empty regardless, no matter what, that's the reality of it. But so to me, it's like, I feel like a lot of people can't really stand on their soapbox here and say it the racing was better without the dirt because it wasn't supported as much. Right. The people weren't coming out to see it. Um, and that's not the model anymore. I know that it's, but, you know, we, we've kind of put Bristol on this pedestal, but let's be honest, we repaved Bristol and put this progressive banking in, in like 2006, I think. And it's never been the same. We've right. tried, we've tried all everything we could. We put the PJ one down and we've done all these kind of things. We've graded the track. And the race, it's never been the same. You've never been able to hunt the bottom consistently for a full race. Um, you know, you run the bottom, and if you're one lane up, you're getting freight trained. It's never been like that. It's completely flipped to the top, where if you're on the bottom, you know, and, and flipping the track like that, it just doesn't produce the same racing. It just doesn't even look aesthetically the same. So we've kind of damaged Bristol, in my opinion. Um, it's still one of the better races of the year. I think it's still one of our best tracks but when push comes to shove we're trying to we're in the entertainment business we need to do something that's entertaining to me what we did for this first story second time around was nine thousand times better than year one we still have ways to go we'll we'll be honest we still have a ways to go Mm -hmm. um but i thought the racing was good and i think given it a couple years the the first race at eldora with the trucks was kind of eh was kind of like there was some bugs and then we fixed them over time and guess what the last year that bristol or we ran at eldora with the trucks it was phenomenal it was, it was one of the best races of the year it was really well done and a lot of that had to do with tony stewart but you know we're going through this with these cars a lot more horsepower we're learning it and it's going to take a couple of years to really really hone in on what it is it's going to take mother nature not messing with us with this rain to feel figure out what we really need to do so I think we need to give it time, but I thought this race was as good or better than any race we've had all year. Jordan, let me hear your take. 
the well so the unfortunate part is i think the only way nascar is really going to make this work is if you honestly turn this into a dirt car um and like the reason why i say it is if you look at every other dirt race in in anywhere when they run their night they start with heating the motor then they run hot laps then they run time trials then they run you know their heat races then they run their feature so nascar does the qualifying practices and stuff days in advance which i have no problem with that the problem that i had is if you look at the very start of it i mean 17 laps in your pole sitter went two laps down because he had to pit because he was overheating not just him but multiple drivers started overheating now nascar tried to save it by throwing you know the caution you know give everybody their lap back whatever but one we have to figure out this overheating issue because you can't keep moisture in the track and have all this stuff sticking to the grill. Um, it's not designed to be a dirt car like that. No matter what they try and do, it's going to keep caking up on the, on the bottom there. Um, they even put mud flaps on them this year, and it still didn't help. Um, but you have to be able to keep moisture in the track, especially when you're running as long as they are. 250 laps on a dirt track is rough. And, I mean, if you were looking at it, a lot of the guys weren't even getting sideways. They were running it sort of like it was Bristol. Um, so we need to figure that out. I agree with Kyle Larson. You got to take the windshields out. These guys can't see for crap. Um, they're trying to clean off their windshields and it's just not working. Um, the best thing to do would be put like a screen in there, have almost the same design, have a screen and have them run tear offs. That's probably better. And I, I understand like these are a stock car. They're supposed to have windshields, but if we're going to run it on dirt, this it's stuff we have to figure out to make. The racing better not saying it was a bad race i thought it was good um i thought it was definitely better than last year the night was 100 better um the rain delay even though i hated it because that's when i had to stop watching it because uh some of us have to wake up at 2 30 in the morning but the rain delay actually helped that track it actually saved it <laughs> because it put moisture back into the track so my thing is i think nascar should have ran hot laps to kind of get the track in then you avoid having the cake up on the front of the grills, you know, you got kind of a line or two working in and then you don't get that as much. So I, I think they should have started it kind of like that, but you know, the choose rule here, it would have came into play. I don't, I get why you don't have the choose cone there, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to put a cone out there and say, you have to go to one side of the cone or the other to pick it. And once the field goes by, pull the cone off the track, they do that in dirt dirt racing they don't pick a lane but they put a cone out there you have to go outside the cone and then they pull it back with rope looks like toy story running across the track um but all in all i think i think nascar is getting better with the way the dirt races are run like you said there's still a lot of room for improvement but there's certain kinks we have to work out due to the fact that these are not dirt cars and until you run them like they're a dirt car, we're going to run into these little petty, annoying incidents with the overheating, the windshields being too dirty, not very visible. I have to say, I don't think dust was that much of an issue this time because you could definitely see um, watching it. But, I mean, to go back to your point where you were saying there might not have been a lot of people in stands, but they broke records for people viewing this race. Yep. So... 
there was over 4 million people that watched this race. So where people might say they're not doing something right, they're definitely doing something right. Yeah, you want to, I mean, like we said, we're, we're in the enter- entertainment business and the model has changed. It's not attendance at the track anymore. It's TV viewership. That is what is important. That's what's bringing the money in is the big TV deals. So that we have to accept that, that, that you're never going to have these sellout crowds again at, at a place like Bristol, unless they start taking seats down and perspective wise, you know, look at a race at Bristol from the early nineties. It, you can't even tell if you look in the stands, you can't even tell it's the same place because the yeah. turns one and two and three and four are wide open. Yep. There's nothing there. Yep. I he saw built, a picture of that and it blew my mind. I was like, that's not Bristol. You just see mountains. It's, it's, it's so crazy to think how quickly we built that racetrack up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's never going to be like that again. We just have to accept that and move on. But we did something right in the terms of it was, it was watched. Even if it wasn't extremely liked, it was watched. Now, here's my take on this. Um, it got better from one year to the next. So we got to push that needle again. I fully expect we will. I'm sure that they're going to, I think we're invested in this. We're invested in this idea that we can take these heavy cars and we can run them wherever we want. Formula One doesn't run ovals. We do. Indy cars don't run dirt. We do. Our idea, and, and they were talking about a street course. The idea we're going for is, you know, we went to this thing for a while, like, hey, mile and a half are what we do. We're going to this model of what is it? We'll run it. And I like that. I think that's phenomenal. I think running a dirt race is is perfect. We need to do it. We need to have it on the schedule because we're flexing our muscle. Well, it doesn't matter the surf. It doesn't matter where we're at. Um, we're trying to even do, if it rains, we don't care. We're going to, we're going to do whatever we can to put on a show. Doesn't matter what the racetrack is. If, if you know, LA Coliseum, we're going to do it. Let's do it. Well, let's figure it out. And it's going to get better and better and better because that's where we're going to, we're going to make the racing better. We're going to make it a better, more, vast product so um i don't i don't think the street course is going to be very good though i i am not a fan of the idea but they took a lot of ideas that i have not been fans of like the la coliseum and it's been pretty decent like i i I have no complaints with a lot of the things that they've changed to so far in this car as much as it was criticized and even i was kind of like i don't understand this it's been a good package and i think this package really showcased that uh it showcased a lot of the improvements we've made on dirt. Um, I thought the race, like I said, I thought the race was good. Um, as in compared, guys could run. If you were good, if you had a good car and you were good on the track, you could pass and you could make gains to the front. And that was what Chase Briscoe did all day long. Um, a guy like Cole Custer, who was had a good car, and it, you know he's kind of starting to figure out the dirt thing, um, was good enough to get the pole. Uh, he he got the pole. He was good enough to get the pole. He was good enough to battle back. Um, he I don't think he was just not he was not quite as good as Chase, be either by car or by talent. But you know, it, it took him that long to fight to thirteenth. You know, it, it, they had to fight through a lot. But he didn't have quite the car where he could just run up through the field, well, like like Chase could. Well, also remember, Briscoe is a dirt racer, right? right? So right. so where. He, where um what's his name is not i can't think of his name now um custer where he's not a dirt racer briscoe is so 
It's like Larson. It's like Bell. It's like these guys who have run dirt. You got to know that they're going to catch on to it way before these other yeah. guys. And I mean, there's even some guys that now that they're running dirt, they're running late models to try and get a better feel for what the car is going to feel like. But this is my point is like, if, if you were good, if you were Chase Briscoe and you were good, you could run them through the field. If you were decent, like Cole Custer, if you had a good car, like Cole Custer, a guy who could, if he was in the top five, he could run there all night. Yeah. If you were like that, but you lost track position, it's really, really tough to get back. Yeah. But I mean, I know it was hard to pass, but it's hard. It's hard to pass everywhere. Don't give me the, it's hard to pass. It's hard to pass everywhere. So go figure it out. It's no different. No matter where we go, it's hard to pass. I don't think it was hard to pass. I think it was hard for people to understand how to set up the person in front of you. Yeah. I'll get, cause it is so different. It is very different. Yeah. So that's, that's where you see like Larson and bell and Briscoe excel because they can set you up on dirt. They can take a different angle into the corner and either diamond it or they can go in high, come down off the bottom, and they have a lot more speed carry yeah. and they, they can just get underneath you. And once they're underneath you, they can either hook the bottom and get enough traction up off to get past you or make you think that, hey, they're down there. Maybe I should jump down there to block them. And once you go down, they'll zip around you on the outside. So, um, obviously, we had a lot of rain. I want to hear your take on the stage two call uh, had the race rained out. Because I was doing, I'll be honest, I was doing a rain dance. Well, and I completely understand that, too. I was kind of thinking that, you know, because they were saying it was going to be Briscoe and Kyle Busch was supposed to be the leader. But the, the, the real question I have, which I'm obviously not going to get an answer for, I don't think you're going to get an answer for unless NASCAR actually says it. But my biggest thing is there is a driver's meeting before every race. We don't really know that, but there always is. In dirt races, there's always driver's meetings. Everybody goes to them because they have to, like the drivers do. Sometimes you're just so used to the rules, you don't even pay attention. And NASCAR has a driver's meeting, at least from what I know. And if this was said in the driver's meeting or – you know, the rules were released to the teams to know this, then, okay, I get it. Now, everybody was acting confused, like, you know, whoa, this is different. I don't understand it. You know, because a lot of people, I'm sure you were probably doing the same thing, like, guys, why are you pitting? It's about the rain. You're on a dark track. Yeah. Um, And then when they pit and they were like, oh, he's still the leader right now. I understand it because the dirt side of it, under cautions, laps don't count. So, but if you pull off the track, you lose your spot. Even in even in dirt tracks, if you pull off the, you know, change a tire or fix some damage or something, you lose your spot. You don't just go back to it because the field's frozen. So it was kind of a curveball to me. But if NASCAR made this known prior, which I'm not sure if they did, but if they made it known, then you have to understand the circumstances. And I mean, Part of me was like, hey, maybe Briscoe's team knew the field was going to be frozen until we went back green. So it didn't matter if they pit. Yeah. Well, what, what the ultimately, because the rule was you had to pit either under stage one right. or stage two. If you had a problem like Chase did, you know, early in the race um, with having a flat tire, you could change one tire, but right. you could not take fuel. You could only take fuel on the stage breaks. You could, you either had to pit on stage break one or stage break two. Well, because that they had spun out, 
they were forced to pit on stage two because they stayed out for stage one to get the track position back. So they were in a box. They had to pit right. by the letter of the rules. Um, it sounds like to me with what I've heard, it's like NASCAR kind of got caught with their pants down. It's like they made the rule under the stages. Caution laps don't count. Field is frozen. Okay, cool. Um, on the you know on the side from that, it's just always you know when rain happens, if it's past halfway or past um, the sta- second stage break, uh, if we rain out, game over. And it's just no one put that connection together. What happens if the rain comes at the stage break? And I don't think that this was too much of a, a thought, which it should have been because. There was rain in the forecast. We should have known it was coming, and someone should have raised their hand and said, hey, what if this happens during the stage break? Um, what they should have done, based on the letter of I mean, and I think NASCAR kind of got caught with their pants down, and by the letter of the law that they wrote, they knew immediately that the way that the rule was written, Chase Briscoe was going to win that race. But to me, honestly, I, mean, I would have loved to seen St- Chase Briscoe win a race, obviously, because I'm very invested in that. But from the sport standpoint, I'm I'm almost glad it didn't happen that way because it would have been a big stain on our sport yeah. um, because it was super confusing the way it was. It needed to be caught ahead of time and it was not. Right. So what they should have done if they're going to do this where caution laps don't count and you are mandatory, you have to stop or you don't. Um, I, th- I think what they needed to do is either you need to set the precedent beforehand or what you need to do is, hey, the field is frozen until we go back green. You know, we're going to stop. We're going to stop the tail of the field. Anyone who's not pitting is going to stop at the entrance of pit road. Everyone who is pitting is going to go down to their pit stalls. We're going to make, you're going to maintain your position. Um, and then when we refire, we have that break. When we refire, the leader goes by, maybe count one lap. I don't care. Or just set the rules. As soon as we, we restack, as soon as we re-rack, that's the new running order. But until that time, Chase Briscoe is the, the leader. I, I, th- I think that that's the only fair way to do it. Um, well, it's going to, it's going to get changed now. I yeah. Mean, like it, they're, they're either going to keep the same rule or it's, they're going to alter it now. It's because yeah. it happened. Now it's, it, there's going to be a rule in there for it. I mean, I think, I think if you call it is like, Hey, you reef once we refire and roll off pit road from the stage break, Everyone who pitted is going to, you know, come down to the end of pit road like they would in the old days for practice mm-hmm. um, or, you know, they do for qualifying. They, they just you line up and we'll let the field pass. Then you get lined up based back on your position that you, you know, because you don't lose positions on pit road. So we line you back up there. No one loses anything else. But the minute we roll off. That is the new running order. I think that that's a fair way to do it without having to do too much other confusing, confusing stuff. But as much as I wanted to see Chase win, and then he almost did, um, I, I, I'm glad it almost glad it didn't happen that way. I would have really liked for him to get uh, get it at the end. So, um, with this being said, I know Jordan, you're probably looking at me like, "How did you like that last lap, Rick?" Well, uh, so this I know is... you've probably been waiting for this one. Oh, I have. Oh, I have. Because this fits everything you literally have said that NASCAR should make a rule for. So, based off of the rule that you're speaking of, we said Briscoe should possibly, you know, maybe get dock points, maybe lose a win. 
I didn't say dock points. I said I said that he should okay. not get the win for wrecking somebody. Or or well, yeah, but he already has a win and he took a win from somebody else. So yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, Reddick was running high, Briscoe was running high. The last corner, Briscoe sent it in there to try and pull a slider, which happens in dirt. Now I will break it down to this extent, but first, your boy Briscoe went in, cleaned him out, wrecked he did. him. Now, regardless of you know, Reddit got going and still almost won. It's not the point. He took the race away from him, which is you've been preaching. There should be a penalty. He changed his line. He went in there, hell bent, and, and dumped him, plain and simple. Um, but at the end of the day, again, to me, this is this is okay. The way you look at it is Briscoe. This is the way I broke it down for people. Briscoe is a dirt racer, okay? Everybody, please take a second for me and understand on dirt cars. 90% of your break is on the left side. Okay. So when we, when they went into this corner, you have to look at it as Reddick knows Briscoe's going in there hard in, in dirt racing. Obviously they call it slide jobs. Briscoe was going in there to gun it as hard as he could and not lift to try and get in front of Reddick to make him check up. That's what a slider is. But Reddick's looking in his mirror, seeing Briscoe doing that. And Reddick's going in just as hard to try and beat him to that point. So to me, it's a racing deal. Now, if Briscoe had brakes only on the left side when he knew he wasn't going to make it, like he told he told everybody, I, once I started it, I knew it wasn't going to make it. So there's the penalty, you know, like you were calling for. But if he only had brakes on the left side, he doesn't hit Reddick. He would have locked him up, turned his car sideways. He never would have touched Reddick. So as a dirt racer, when he was, he did that and he was like, Oh, I, I probably will be able to keep off of him. And he couldn't, um, these cars are too heavy to do that. 90% of the time you don't see them pulling slide jobs like that because they, they really can't work up enough speed and be agile enough to get in front of that other person, unless mm -hmm. you're already side by side with them. But I mean, I had no problem with it. I mean, of course, I wanted Reddick to get his first win, and I'm sure Reddick was probably fuming, and he handled it very well. Very well. Very, very well, very well for the, the situation, and Kyle Busch backs into a win after he, you know, <laughs> doing it. After he ran his mouth about backing into wins and after he ran his mouth about um, how we need to, to not deal with dirt. Right, exactly. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's the finish we wanted. We didn't want it to be – you know, off single file, really far away. We wanted him to make a move. We knew he was going to make a move. And, you know, had he been behind him two more laps or something, he probably would have worked away around him or something because Briscoe was definitely faster. But I've been, I've been chopping at the bit to get at you and be like, your guy literally did everything you said should be penalized. No. And, and you're 100% right. And um, for, for me, my perspective, now you got to understand for me, uh, at least pitting wise, I pit for a lot of guys and, and some girls that you kind of roll your eyes at them and like, why are you a race car driver? Why? Like, show me some aggression, show me something that you want to go win and that you're not afraid to, to, to make moves. And you're not afraid to, to, you know, rub it just a little bit. Like, show me you're a race car driver. Show me your really invested in this thing and you're not just out here to ride so so for me like hey i wanted chase to make to go for it 
on that last lap. I wanted him so bad because I, you know, obviously I'm invested in the team. I'm very biased to this team and I wanted to, I want to win. Um, I thought the move was, I thought it was a terrible move. Um, and well, what I, other, what other move could he have made? The only move that he could have made was to, number one, it was a bad move because he wrecked himself. You know, it, not only did if you're going to go in there and you wreck yourself and not Redick, okay, I get it. You you laid it on the line, you spun yourself out, but you turned yourself, you turned Redick, and you gave the third place guy who was a straightaway back a win. So not a good move. The only th- the only move I really feel he could have made without just sending it in there and you know putting it on Redick's left rear and spinning him out, which I wouldn't have liked that either, because um, I'd have liked to see Redick get a win personally. Uh, the only move I think is is to drive in like that and just wash up and dorm. Like that's the only thing you can do. Um, I don't really feel like these cars are suited, like you said. Like you, it's really, really not a good car to do a slide job on. There's a lot of mass front to back. Yeah. It's very, very hard to do a slide job. So I don't think that that was the move. I think if you, you kind of dime in the quarter and come up and meet him and and Dorham and then just try to drag race off t- turn four. I still don't necessarily know that you get it like that, but I, th- I feel like that was the best move that he could have possibly tried to make other than just flat out wrecking him, which it looked like chase really didn't want to do. Um, so no, but, but, but my, my point with this now, obviously it didn't penalize. It took a win away from Reddick, but it didn't penalize him the way we've talked about where he loses a bunch of positions. He lost. That's it did because it took away a win from a guy who needs to get a win to, I mean, he's not, he doesn't need a win to get in the playoffs, but it would have helped him. Uh, no, I agree. Um, and I think it was a, it, it's kind of, it kind of does fall under the category of that bonehead move that we've talked about. Um, the big difference here between what we were arguing with Ross Chastain is uh, guess what happened to Briscoe. He finished dead last in the lead lap. So that one lap penalty that we would have talked about wouldn't have ended up mattering too much for him. But yeah, I feel like that really, really fits the bill. Um, you went for it, you made a move and you took the leader out in the middle of it. I don't care if you're racing hard. Like I, I get you're racing hard. I'm glad you're racing hard. I'm glad you're trying to go for a win, but your bonehead move, your error cost that guy a win. So yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I don't think a penalty would have ended up mattering for him because he penalized himself enough as it was really but um i mean reddick obviously out of the out of the two came out better um and i think he's going to end up getting a win eventually like anyway wise. huh finish wise but i mean finish you gotta wise. look at it, you gotta look at it now with the way stage points are you can finish good in both stages and it doesn't matter where you finish at the end of the race you're right you're right and so uh, i'm agreeing with you this was this would this would pretty much qualify for everything we've said um, I'm just saying like it, it, you could have penalized him afterwards and it didn't matter. Cause he was already so far back and he already has a win. So it's like, but that's in this regard. He didn't, he didn't wreck him and win. So it's kind of hard for me to say, but it would, anything would have mattered at that point. You know, I've, we've talked about, you know, what if you wreck him? What if you wreck him and you take yourself out, you know, you keep him from getting the win, you take yourself out, but you've already had a win. So it doesn't matter as much to you. Well, so, like I said, I, I never said we should penalize for points. I think you should penalize for position. So you can I mean, go ahead, penalize him a lap. He's already 20, I think it was 23rd. So this, this <laughs> go is ahead, like, I don't care. But this is the thing. that That's exactly the point we're making. So 
like when Hamilton wrecked Max, we we said the penalty didn't fit the crime. Yeah, because right? he came back to win. Right. Okay. So now obviously Briscoe wasn't going to come back to win, but he has I, I forget where he finished in stage one. He wasn't up there very because of the flat tire. Of the flat tire. But stage two, he wins stage two. So he gets, you know, decent amount of stage points, right? So he already has a win. He got a, a playoff bonus point for winning stage two, right? So he goes in there. He he doesn't wreck him. Yeah, okay. You're saying the penalty doesn't really mean much. Go ahead. Penalize him, lap, whatever. He drops to the back. The penalty doesn't fit the crime. Yeah. Now, here here's 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 where I would – now, let's say, based off of the criteria we've laid forth, Let's say, because it really, to me, when the spin happened, Reddick went to the bottom, and it almost looked like Chase was going to just continue on, and then at the last second, it flipped around on him, it swapped ends. So let's say Chase continues, like he, he gets it righted at that point. He doesn't spin down to the bottom. He keeps going. He goes on to win. Reddick never refires. He has a situation that Briscoe has. He finishes last in the lead lap that's where this would have fit. And I would, I would back this up. This would fit the criteria that I'm talking about. You wrecked the guy, knocked him out of the way to win the race. Boom. Back. At, you're, not only do you finish back of the lead lap, you're going to finish behind the guy. If Reddick doesn't get refired, you're going to finish behind him. I feel like that is the criteria exactly as we've laid it out. But, but th- this is, this is this, the issue I'm going to say, let's say, for kind of like your example, Briscoe keeps it straight, keeps going. Reddick does the same thing he did where he spun around and kept going, finished the second. You still still do the same thing? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think so because it was Briscoe's that so that was that's, that was at one let's let's be on let's be honest here. Let's be one hundred percent honest. In that situation, was that a racing deal or was that a Briscoe made a mess up deal? I think it was both. Because if you look at his history of being a dirt racer, right, you could throw it in there like that. And if you are going to be that close to someone, and I'm telling you, if you watch a dirt race and watch this, it happens a lot where they try and throw a slider on someone and they're not going to make it. And they hit the brakes and it turns their car, it keeps them off the car on the outside. And it happens a lot. And you're like, you'll be sitting there, like, oh, that's real close. And that's what Briscoe tried to do. You could see his car was starting to turn. But these cars are way heavier than any dirt car. Mm-hmm. They don't have brakes just on the left side. So it takes a lot longer to get it stopped, slowed down. And on dirt, when they're that loose, all it takes is a little tap and around they go. The, the point that I'm making to you is, it like, you pretty much just answered my question. Like, you, you proved my point. If Briscoe keeps it straight, wins, and Reddick finishes second, you still feel the same way as if Briscoe spins him out and – Reddick drops all the way to the back and Briscoe still wins. It's the same concept. The stage points right now have obviously made it to the point where if you finish good in both stages, it almost, if you're not going to win, it doesn't matter where you finish. We've seen someone finish 20th after winning both stages and still score more points than the person who won, who didn't get a single stage point. So we're saying that winning is the most important thing here, regardless of, how it happens if you take someone out for from the win if you win or you don't win if you steal their win from them that's how your penalty need would work it, it can't be it can't be that gray area that's how that penalty would have to work you can't be like well you didn't win so 
okay, we'll let it go. Or we finish second. Well, okay, we'll no, I'm, I'm saying like, I'm saying if, if based on the criteria we've talked about, if you want to give Briscoe a penalty, that's fine. I'm saying that a penalty, the penalty we discussed back of back of the lead lap or whatever, it, it was already there. So go ahead and tack it on, but it doesn't change anything. That's what I'm saying. Ago. The crime wouldn't fit the result. So even if, because you're saying that the goal of this penalty was to try and get them to stop, right? Yeah. So Briscoe does that. Okay, you put him at the tail end of whatever the lead lap or whatever, but it doesn't matter. He's already there. So that's not going to defer him from doing that next time. It, you know, he's going to go in there, and if he wrecks and he drops all the way to the back, so be it. If I get a penalty, I'm already there. Well, and, and, and so like, I, I am inclined point. to agree with you here. My point, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to deter – I'm not necessarily trying to deter somebody from wrecking somebody out of the lead. I'm trying to stop people from wrecking a guy and winning the race. That I, th- I think if you – if you turn a guy, if you completely turn him around, or if you completely fence him and it is absolutely your fault, be it intentional or not, I don't, if, you know, racing for the win, obviously things happen during the course of race, but, you know, we, you know, you want to set uh, the last 70 laps, the last percentage of the race, whatever. But if you knock a guy out of the way to win like that by wrecking them, spinning them out, fencing them, knocking them into another car, to win that race, I feel like that is, you know, especially we were talking about how important winning is. That's that's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Chase Briscoe wreck Tyler Reddick out of the way and win a race. I want to see them, you know, I hate to say it's, it's kind of borderline, but let's talk about like last Xfinity race in the, you know, with AJ Allmendinger and uh, Austin Cinder come off the corner side by side wrecking to the line. You know, that, how do you call That's one, how do you call that? But at the same time, you know, there's definitely going to be fringe things. There's always is, but it, it, what it, my call on this is, is it's so important. Winning race is so important. I don't want to see you fence a guy, spin him out, turn him into another car to win that race. That's my point because it is so important. So you know, let's not see Ross Chastain. I know the bump to AJ, if if Bowman wasn't there, it would have just been a bump. But he was there. And it wrecked AJ's, it completely wrecked AJ's race because right. Ross dove it in as hard as he possibly could until AJ couldn't possibly hold it on the bottom. He but, his his result wrecked AJ Allmendinger. But that's where again, that's where I said it's not going to be black and white because it's a judgment call. Because we're both saying that if Bowman wasn't there, that probably doesn't happen to AJ, but because he was there, because the circumstance, he was there, you have to give him a penalty. Like to me, we got to just negate this, this whole penalty talk and just make it so that way, you know, the garage continues to police itself. Listen, at some point or another, Tyler Reddick's going to get Chase Briscoe back. We know it's going to come. He was real cool about it. He was real chill. But when they're in the car, it's going to be a different story. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. Funny, and- funny, funny story. We, we talk about policing. Um, I was watching the the race for Martinsville just a couple weeks ago where um, Ricky Craven wins. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, late in the race, uh, Kevin Harvick stayed out and him and uh, Bobby Hamilton were kind of going back and forth and Kevin spun him, Bobby Hamilton out. And guess what happened? NASCAR held Kevin. 
it's just it, we can we can talk about them policing themselves, but at what point does NASCAR? Ha- I'm saying, what point does NASCAR have to step in and say winning is too critical? We can't have you wrecking another guy to win a race. That's what I'm saying. I think if I it's think, not even like it happens, it's not even like it happens a ton, right? But I think if they take that, I think you honestly have to look at it. If you take that part out of it, it's going to deter a lot of fans because you're going to make them, regardless of how the rules written, you're going to make them be like, well, now you can't touch them to try and win. And maybe that's not going to be the rule, but like, this is the finishes we like to see, like Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch coming to the line at Darlington. You know and that's and that's perfect. It's a different scenario. And even even scenario, right. AJ and Austin Cedric one we're talking about, you know, they neither one deviated their line. They just came together off the corner. It was it was there wasn't a fault. No one changed what they were doing. And they once they touched, they simultaneously spun together. But you know, so I was watching. So this will lead us into where we're going this weekend because I was watching a replay of it. So think about this. This rule's in effect for Talladega. The driver in second obviously is going to pull down to try and make a pass, right? Whether they hook bumpers, whatever. How many times have we seen it? They come to the line and the leader ends up wrecked. Well, here, here, this is perfect examples. If you're pushing a guy and you come off their bumper, you turn left to come off their bumper and, and they turn, you turned them. It's very simple. But you want to talk about like, uh, you know, 2009 with Carl Edwards, where Brad Keselowski jumps down a lane and jumps all the way to the bottom till he gets to the yellow and then stops turning because one race before a guy got penalized because of the exact same scenario, but he went below the yellow line to avoid wrecking Tony Stewart. Well, the next time the guy was, the next guy was smart and he holds at the yellow line the leader keeps coming down and gets himself flown into the catch fence. Well, whose fault is, is it there? It's Carl Edwards. Cause he kept coming down card low. Yeah. Oh, you're in the air. So, yeah. so no, the, like Brad Keselowski does not get penalized in that situation. Yeah. But, but this, like, again, here's the point I'm trying to make. If you're the car in second, right. And you're getting a run on the leader. Okay. Obviously the leader is going to try and block you. You go to the bottom. If the leader goes to the bottom at the same, like, Knows you're going to go left. You go left. You, you you hit bumpers. You lock bumpers or not not like this. I mean, like you're coming like this. You start to pull out. He jumps down in front of you, right? Okay, so that's the leader's fault, but it's the guy in second's fault for going to the wind and not backing off. You, like this is what I'm saying. You're, you're going to judge based off of data whether the leader went down and blocked him, and that's why the wreck happened, or whether because of the guy in second didn't let off, and that's why they hit bumpers. Like you, well, me, that that's even more transparent because the rule is you can't lock bumpers in the corner. That's that's no, fairly I'm, simple. But I'm not I'm not talking about the corner. I'm talking about you're coming to the finish line, and yep. the guy like obviously there's a trial of what Talladega, so it's different there. I mean, there's a trial of what Daytona too, but like you try and go to the bottom, he Joey Logano's you, he blocks you, right? And as he's blocking you, you're running into his bumper because you had that much of a run, and he wrecks off your front end. Whose fault is it? Because he blocked well, you, or because you you didn't let off and be like, okay, well you got me. Well, it's pretty. Those are actually fairly simple to to see. If you turn left and he goes right, you you were lifting his tires up, and that's your fault. If you're 
turning left and he goes left, it's because he was turning down left more than you were. It's not, that's not a hard call. Yeah. But you're telling the guy in second, like, look, if he blocked you, you got to let off. It is what it is. You got to let off. You're you're, right away. You're telling him he can't go for the win because he's going to have to lift because if he wrecks the guy, he's penalized. Well, number, if you're, if you're pushing a guy through the triable like that, you're probably too close already. You, you screwed up your chance. You needed to be dropped back before that. And if you got to the bumper, your, your run's already done. But, but this is, but this, like, this is what I'm saying. If you're back here yep, and you're coming through the triable and you're timing your run, because obviously the finish line's not right after the triable, it's a little bit further. And you're timing your run that if you get to the inside of them and you could clear them by maybe, maybe this, this much, right? Yep. As soon as you go to turn down, that guy turns down in front of you and your nose is on his bumper. So you're locked, right? At this point, either this guy's going to wiggle and spin out or you're going to push him across the line, right? So you're telling the guy in second that he can't try and make a move a different way. No, no, actually, because this one's even more simple. If the guy in second makes a move and you throw a block like that, and the guy just, I mean, obviously you're not going to listen to the last lap, but you throw a block like that. If you change lanes when a guy's coming on a run, that that's obviously you just wrecked yourself. So, so no, that, no, that is, that is a completely different situation. It's but, 100% a different situation. But it, and speedway but, racing is a lot more nuanced it's, than it's all the, it's all the same thing. It's, it's all judgment calls. It's all it's, judgment calls. That's what I'm saying. It's all a judgment call. I don't think it's quite, I think that's a lot more cut and dry than you're making it out to be. Unless it's Matt Kenseth dumping Joey Logano at Martinsville out of the lead where that was blatantly obvious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he got penalized for that, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> because that was blatantly obvious. You were two laps down. You literally waited for him to catch you and then you wrecked him. But uh, Okay. So but we're going back to like, we just keep going around circles here. If, if you, it, it all comes back down to, if you wreck a guy, you know, if, if, you know, we're doing an F1 here. We're calling who's at fault. If you're at fault for wrecking a guy out of the way, do you deserve to win that race? Yes, because you won. You crossed the line first. I don't know, man. When the, I feel like when it's too important these days to just say it's okay to just wreck a guy out of the way, regardless winning, of, of – Winning's too important to just ride around in second and be like, well, I, I can't go for the win because I might wreck him. No, and – you can go for the win, but it, it all comes back around to, you know, Jeff Gordon to Rusty Wallace at Bristol. Bump and run and move them. But don't Denny Hamlin to Chase Elliott at Martinsville and wreck them. Don't fence them. That's, I feel like that's, it's fairly simple. <laughs> it's, it's a lot I, more simple than, than what you're putting it out to be. I, again, I still – you're not going to change my mind on this. There's – there's no way that NASCAR should be stepping in and policing it in any in any sort of way, unless like you're a lap down and you wreck the leader. You know what I mean? Like, Mac- well, you know, or apparently, unless you're Chase Briscoe, who got penalized because Danny Hamlin kept pushing him off the track, and then you know you wrecked Danny Hamlin, and everyone was so shocked. And, so, and one hundred percent, I I still feel like that wasn't a penalty. So, I mean, <laughs> like. Whether or not he was mad at him or not, I still don't think he should have been penalized for dumping him. The thing, the thing, I mean, and just to hit highlight on it real quick, I just want to like, yeah, okay, you make the argument. Oh, well, he went way, he 
cut directly across the grass to re-enter track. If he cuts, he has two options there. The, the, a guy forced you off the track. That's not your fault. Twice. So you can either, you know, slow down and, and rejoin, quote unquote, safely, or you can buy the letter of the law, like get back on track as soon as you possibly can. Oh, and come across, you know, three lanes of traffic to do it at a bad angle and cause a bigger wreck, or you can go completely across and then give up the positions like he did. I, I still think it was a terrible call. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and, I, I think he shouldn't have been penalized for that, but I mean, they told him that he was penalized and then he racked Hamlin. No, 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 no. I, I, I asked questions to the guys on the radio. They, there was not solid. There was not solid information to the guys. Right. You know, but that was, that was their argument as to why they gave him penalty because yeah. they told him that he was penalized and then he wrecked him. But I don't. I didn't feel he deserved a penalty then because obviously that was up in the air. Still at the time, I didn't feel he deserved a penalty then. Matt Kenseth, I thought what he did was screwed up. But you know, I don't necessarily believe it deserved a what he had a two race suspension. Yeah, it was something like that. But escorted out of the racetrack. Yeah, I mean, I I understand why they did it, and I mean, yeah, Logano's going to be mad, but again when you get in that same situation, it turnabout's going to come to you and it might not be from the same person. We're seeing it right now with, with Ty Gibbs. Eventually everybody in the Xfinity series is going to start dumping him. Hopefully. But then, but here's going to be the problem. And this is, this is what I'm thinking. He gets dumped by someone. I mean, we've seen what happened in Martinsville, right? Now he gets dumped by someone because they're racing hard. They move him out of the way. He wrecks, whatever. Is NASCAR now going to penalize them and say, okay, now you're just picking on them? You know what I mean? Like, okay, we get it. You you wrecked them. You got your payback, whatever, whoever it was. You wrecked them. You know, let's say they win. Okay, you wrecked him. You won. No, we're not having that. The biggest thing is it, if you're going to do it, you just need to be consistent. And that's yeah. been a problem. They need to, if, you, if you're going to call, call it consistently and understand, everyone needs to understand what, the yep. rule really is. And so. that's something they haven't been able to get right this year. <laughs> so um, anyway, pro pro, good with the race or nay with the race? Uh, I'm 100% good with, with dirt and NASCAR. I'm 100%. You know, we're obviously going to keep comp- improving it, but I think the race was good. Like I said, I think the rain after stage two obviously saved it. In my opinion, it made the track better. Um, surprisingly, I thought they were going to lose it, but it made it better. Well, so here's, here's my take on it. Um, so a few years ago, we were running two road course races a year. And I feel like NASCAR kind of went, you know, we have these specific packages for road courses. We only utilize them twice. Maybe we should incorporate more road courses kind of being called for. And so they did quote unquote, justify having these specialized parts for these road courses. I almost feel like, especially with the the viewing we had with Bristol, I almost feel like there's going to be a call for a second race from NASCAR somewhere. It's Maybe true. not Bristol, but you know the the underwing, <laughs> the underwings special, the um, the guarding on the the grill is special. So to justify having all those parts, I would not be surprised to see them at a second dirt race at a different location, probably not Eldora because of their relationship with Tony Stewart right now. Unfortunately, I think it would be a great venue, but uh, 
for those of you who don't like the dirt, I, I, I'm sorry to tell you, I think that another one yeah, probably will be coming down. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Well, the, the Bristol one is definitely here to stay. Yeah. For, from, from a NASCAR standpoint, I think it's, it's a plus, even if it gets a lot of negativity, it's a plus. Um, obviously, viewership was up and uh, put a lot of eyes on us. I think that we need to not race Easter Sunday. I thought that that was pretty poor, but um, even if it's Saturday night, if it's Easter Saturday, I get it, but not Easter Sunday night. People have to be at work on Monday morning. It's, that, was, I, that was a poor call on my, in my impression. I get it, but that was probably also the reason why they had a lot of viewership too. Well, it could be. It very well could be. So, um, but yeah, I, I've already told guys that were complaining about doing the race that they'll retire if we go back. I said, hey, I'll fill in for you next year. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but I definitely it's here to stay. It's too valuable to NASCAR. It's too valuable to the racetrack. They make way better off than they did with a spring race uh, on the concrete. So it's, it's, it's it's here to stay until it's just until it flops and it's not flopped really yet it's difficulties but it's not flopped yeah just, just hear me out on this wherever they go if it's not going to be eldora wherever they go please go somewhere with dirt with banking these <laughs> cars are way too heavy to put on knoxville or anywhere that's flat i mean you're just not going to get any grip and it's going to be single file so Please, wherever you go, go somewhere with banking so that way we can get side-by-side racing. So, Talladega, we're going to move on to Talladega um, this weekend. Uh, we're going to, I'm sure we're going to tear up a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. The runs are going to come very fast. Uh, don't be surprised to see another car go upside down. We've had a history of it lately. Um, pay attention because that when Harrison Burton went upside down, in this, the Daytona 500, it was aero. We don't see a lot of that anymore. We see a lot of cars go upside down because of the impact of another car pushing them over, hitting the wall, and, and the bounce back. So um, pay attention to that. It could be a big deal if that happens. Um, but I think we're going to tear a lot of cars up this weekend, unfortunately. So, Jordan, who's your pick? I'm going to go with the surprise to you. I'm going to pick Ricky Stenhouse. I don't think that's a surprise. I think that's a very good call. Um, and actually, I'm going to go with one that's probably not surprising, but but based off of uh, the team. Right. Is. Huh? Brad Kozlowski. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm going to go with Brad Kozlowski. I think that it, <laughs> that was my I think that they're so desperate right now. This is kind of um, their last shot. You know, obviously, they have Daytona that, that they can take a swing for. But... Um, you know, that's such a desperation race because it's the last one. So I think this is their last real shot to uh, to, to get Brad into the chase. So I think they're going to be coming out guns blazing. They were good in Daytona. So um, the, the, the crazy part that it is right now is that what are we at now? Eight winners? Um, yes. Eight different winners? Eight in nine races. Yeah, so we're at eight winners in nine races so. we're getting to the point where we got to start talking about it because there's a lot of guys that have not won yet that um, are very capable of winning yeah harvick hasn't won which he hasn't really shown i mean he did in richmond but not until the very end so other than that they really haven't shown that kind of speed um truex truex chase hasn't won um christopher bell hasn't won and he's shown speed Reddick is knocking on the door. Austin Dillon has been quietly very fast. Yes. 
So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that are really knocking on the door. Um, and it, it could be a lot closer this year than what we thought, especially if, if a Brad Kozlowski or Ricky Stenhouse goes this weekend and sneak one out, mm-hmm. it's going to get big. It's going to get very, very big. It's going to get very tense yeah, for this, the, the next third of the year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be very, very, I mean, if, like, I, like I said, I don't like talking about it because I mean, 16 winners is still a lot of people in the cup series to win, but man, with we're the, halfway with, there with the way this year started, everybody, I mean, William Byron's the only one repeat winner right now. So unless someone gets on a hot streak and pulls a couple off, I mean, hell, none of the Penske guys have won yet. Yeah. So, and Lagana, like a lot of, they've really have been fast, but and, you know, um, Blaney's very, very good here. So it could be his time. Logano has been very good here at, for the most of his career, even though they haven't shown a lot the last year. Um, any of those guys could, could pick off and win. And by the way, Austin Cindric did win. Yeah. Already, so. I said that. I don't know if you heard me. I was like, I mean, Cindric did win. <laughs> he kind of won a big one. Yeah. All right. So uh, this has been extremely long this week, but I knew we were going to fight this out. So uh, we'll catch you guys next week after Talladega. Um, I believe F1 is in Emola this week. So maybe Red Bull can get their durability sorted out. Uh, so we will talk to you after the carnage. All right, everyone. Take care. See you later.